you really need in a time like we're in right now, you need a friend that will go with you through everything. I like it over there. They would sing that song. Every time they sing a song like that or I hear somebody sing that, I go right back to Matthew 28, 20, where it says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even yeah. to the end of the world. I mean, he said, he said, Mike, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to be there right with you. Uh, you may go through some trials and tribulations in life, but as soon as you do, that's okay. Just remember, I'm right there with you. There has been time after time after time after time over 41 years that I was alone, and the only thing I had was Jesus. It, I didn't have nothing else. Yes, nothing, nothing, Amen. nothing, nothing, nothing. And he was right there comforting me, let me go through the sorrow. He didn't, he, he didn't put no little stinking Band-Aid on me and, and say, oh, it's going to be all right. He just said, yep, yep, get up, let's go, man. Suck it up, buttercup, come on. And, and he'd walk with you down through the trials of the valley, and he'd get you through the other side. And when you walk out on the other side, all of a sudden you feel a little bit better than you did when you got into one side. You got out the other side, and you're smiling on your face, and you get to tell somebody what Jesus did for you. You know every story you got in the Bible is somebody telling somebody else what he did for them. You know what we need? We need to go tell somebody what he did for us. And the only way he can ever do something for you is you get in a place where you need somebody to do something for you. And nobody else can do it. And he'll step in right there at the end and do it. But anyways, Brother Travis is going to preach at us. I asked him this morning. I said, hey, Brother, when are you going to be ready to preach? He said, oh, anytime. I said, now? He goes, well, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Amen. <laughs> if you push the wrong button, they're going to come up here and yell at you. I think it's on. Uh, here, let me see it. They told me what to do. That's just dummy proof, but I don't believe them. No, you got it. You're right. So right, there we go. You should be able to talk in it. it should... Hello. There we go. All right. Praise God. So, yeah, he comes up and he asked me if I wanted to preach tonight. And it was funny because uh, when he was preaching this morning, uh, I looked over at the side of my, on the right side of my Bible, and I had a, uh, like a little outline there, and it was like the Lord was like, hey, I want you to preach that. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, I'll get an outline for the ADC ready. And so I'm sitting there, a pastor comes up, and he's like, hey, when are you going to be ready to preach? I was like, wow, Lord, I didn't think you meant like right now. I was like, so, okay. I was like, we'll get ready for it. So, <clears throat> But uh, what I want to preach on tonight is uh, the four lies of Satan. And uh, one thing you'll realize is that in life you'll end up uh, hearing a lot of people who tell you many lies, you know, and people try to tell you that truth is relative. And, uh, you know, in a world like today, especially, you know, truth is the most valuable thing that anybody can hold on to. Uh, you know, nobody can seem to find it. So they cling on to the lies that, you know, they get from, like, you know, doctors or the media or whoever it is that they get it from. And, like, uh, you know, they go up to, like I said, doctor. One doctor says one thing, another doctor says the other thing, yet they're both still practicing physicians. And I don't want nobody practicing anything on me, so. Uh, but, you, you know, you realize that doctors are necessary. I mean, you know, they, uh, you know, so, um, so they'll believe. But when you realize that they're necessary, what people end up doing is that they'll believe any doctor that they hear. And, uh, you know, you hear that from, like, uh, you get an example of that from, like, WebMD. You know, somebody's toe starts hurting. They go and they look, like, oh, why is my toe hurting? And they realize, oh, man, I've got, like, cancer. I'm going to die in, like, two hours. And so... Uh, but it's likewise with the news media. You know, it's okay to be informed, but also you don't want to be misinformed. And you also don't want to be over-informed, so it ends up taking over and consuming every thought that you have. And so, uh, you know, it makes me think of that guy I met that one time in, uh, at work when I was sitting there, and he walks up to me, and he goes, hey, man, he's like, you know what the best news is? And I was like, what's that? He's like, when you turn off the news. And I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, and you got a good example of that in Ecclesiastes 1.9 where uh, it says, you know, the, the thing that hath been is that which shall be. 
and that which is done is that which shall be done, uh, that which, um, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. And, you know, and the same thing goes for lies. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and turn to uh, John chapter 8, and I want to start in verse number 33. And so the Bible says, And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered him and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, uh, this, uh, this did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are, not, uh, you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is the liar, uh, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say, uh, if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. And, uh, Brother Joe, would you pray for me, please? So the first lie I want to go ahead and uh, talk about that uh, Satan will tell you is the fact that God isn't good. And uh, if you'll notice in the passage, like Pastor was preaching on this morning, the Pharisees, uh, <clears throat> what the law was supposed to do is that you were supposed to have the man and the woman both there. But instead they had the woman alone, and uh, the Pharisees weren't trying to condemn the woman. What they were actually trying to do was try to catch uh, Jesus Christ in a lie and try to condemn him for the things that he did. Uh, they, wanted, they mocked his miracles, his goodness, and his mercy. And uh, if you're honest with yourself, you realize that many of us were like that too at one point. Um, you know, I want you to think back, you know, think back to a time at one point, either before you were saved or, you know, some people in here were saved when they were young. But at some point you realize you had your run in with the world. And, uh, you know, you, you got to a point to where you realize, you know what, I don't want this anymore. And then the Lord was the one that was merciful and gracious and came to you. And then, uh, you know, he's the one that you asked to. Lord, I need you to clean my heart. I need you to make me a new, you know, uh, uh, renew my spirit. Lord, make me a new creature. <clears throat> and uh, Psalms 52.1 says, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, we're so mighty in our sin. I mean, you know, every time we're messing up with the Lord, we feel on top of the world. Brother Joe hit a good point on that last, uh, when he preached. He said that, you know, we're, well, what we do is we, we have a good thing of sinning. And then we enjoy our sin, and then we confess it, we you know, forsake it, whatever, move on. Then we do it again and again and again and again, and we have that process down, um, you know, nailed down. So, uh, you, know, why, you know, why do we do that? 
I mean, if you honestly ask yourself, why, why am I like that? If the Lord did so many things in my life to where he brought me from, you know, this sinner's household. You know, I grew up in a drunkard's home, everything like that. And yet he brought us from a place to where we had no hope. We were without God, without hope. And then he brought us to a place to where we can call it, it's our Jerusalem. And so, uh, you know, uh, Romans 2, 4 says, Or despise us out of the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, knowing not the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know, Satan will try to get you to doubt God's goodness with worldly influence and care, but cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And so, uh, you know, Psalm 73, 1 says, truly, is, uh, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Pastor hit on it this morning when he was talking in uh, Genesis about, uh, you know, the importance of making sure your conscience is clean daily. You know, it's not an easy thing to carry a cross, but uh, the Lord told us that we need to do it in order to be in fellowship with him. And uh, when we go through certain things in life, especially when they get us down and out, we have a tendency to ask God why he's doing certain things or, you know, why, why do I have to carry this cross? But then you realize that he wants you to, uh, he wants you to be in fellowship with him and understand what his sufferings were. And so um, uh, the second thing I want to mention is the fact that uh, Satan will try to tell you that God isn't truthful. And so the best, way that you can refute, uh, the best way you can refute a lie is with the Word of God. And you see that with uh, Jesus Christ when he was tempted by Satan. And, uh, you know, Numbers 23, 19, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Uh, hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? And uh, there's been countless times where I've tried talking to my bosses about the truth in the Bible and uh, you know, uh, there's always going to be some element, of, there's going to be element of faith there. Somebody's going to have to get to a point to where they just trust that it's God's word. I mean, you can show them truth after truth behind why it is God's word. But, uh, you know, that old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So um, uh, it's important to just realize that when God gives you his word, uh, that's exactly what he's doing. It's like somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, I give you my word on this thing. You can't trust what man says. The Bible says, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. So somebody can come up to you and say one thing, and then next thing you know, they can change exactly what they tried telling you. And so, um, you know, a man will try to tell you that truth is relative. They don't, uh, you know, they don't feel that my truth is their truth. And so the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth and the life. And John 17, 17 tells you to sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so I'll hit on the guys at jail. I'll talk to them all the time about the fact that God has given to us a record book. And, uh, you know, when they're in jail, they end up getting a record because of the certain things that they've done. And then you can liken it under the fact, like, well, what would you do if somebody came in and was like, you know what, I'm going to take care of everything that you've ever done. You have a clean slate. Get out. You'll be free. You know, and it's the same thing with us. God has given us a record book, and he tells us for our wrongs and tells us that we can have his righteousness and how it can be imputed to us. Uh, his righteousness can be imputed to us through the faith and trust of Jesus Christ. And so when Satan reminds you, uh, you know, I thought this was funny because I was thinking about a uh, uh, brother I know. He was talking about how something a preacher said to him made him so mad. He's like, man, he's like, it made me so mad. He's like, I want to go punch that preacher right in the face. And I'm like, all right, brother. I was like, uh, you know, I told him, I was like, you know, pretty much I said, uh, Satan will try to remind you that the preacher is calling you a Muppet. And you can refute it by saying, you know what? Well, I may be Kermit-esque, okay, but I'm God's Kermit the Frog. So praise God. I know it's a poor illustration, but I'm rolling with it. So, uh, but he'll always try to he'll always try to corner you in a lie and have you look at others. And so, one of the worst things we can do as Bible believers, especially in a time like now, when we need truth uh, more than ever, we need fellowship more than ever, is to be able to start looking at people in the church and realize, hey, they've got problems. 
And it's like, and then you'll dwell so much on theirs that you can't let the Lord speak to you about your own problems. And so, uh, you know, there's examples of like, uh, you know, whenever people come in or something like that, and then uh, they end up having to leave. And uh, we had a conversation about that yesterday. And, um, you know, it's needful because uh, Brother Levi made a mention of that, the fact that you should count that kind of stuff as a blessing because God is bringing these people in who are truly wolves in sheep clothing. And then what it's trying to help you realize is like, hey, we need to stop getting our eyes off of each other because we're in this thing, like, I don't mean to say it, like, quote it, but we're in this thing together, not like how the COVID people say, but we're in this together uh, as true Bible believers. And we need to realize that uh, it's important that we, you know, we have each other's back and we're here for each other. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I always try to corner you in a lie and look at others and keep you in bondage. And if the preacher calls you, you know, if the preacher says you're a Muppet, praise God, be a mouthpiece for him. You know, be a mouthpiece for the Lord. And uh, John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, I mean, you know what? If you got the truth, then let it, you know, let it make you free. Stop being in bondage. Stop going back to the stuff you are in before. I mean, honestly, if the Lord saved you from it, why do you keep going back to it? I mean, why do we keep going back to it? You know, I'm the same way. It's like you got, uh, I think it's the verse in James, talks about, you know, the sin that sucked so easily beset us, either in James or Hebrews, but... You know, we always constantly go back to the same thing over and over and over again whenever we ask the Lord to forgive us for it. And it's like the Lord's trying to tell you, hey, look, I made you free of that thing. And it's like, you know what? You may struggle. You may, you know, but he always promised us a way of escape. So uh, one of the other points I wanted to hit on, the fact that, um, you know, going right in line with that, is the fact that Satan will try to tell you that God isn't righteous. Um, you know, pastor hit on righteousness this morning again in Genesis 18. You know, God is the righteous judge, and who are we to question, you know, God and, uh, on his plans and timing? You know, I don't believe that Abraham had a bad heart when he was tr- uh, <clears throat> trying to ask God about, uh, you know, well, Lord, if there be peradventure 50 people here, there peradventure, you know, 50 people be there that's righteous, like, will you not destroy it? That'd be far from thee, Lord. But honestly, uh, you know, shall the, uh, shall the thing form say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? You know, if the Lord decides, hey, this is what I'm doing, I mean, we shouldn't question what he does. We should just roll with it. <laughs> so Second uh, uh, Timothy 4, 7 through 8, uh, Paul tells us, he says, We have fought a good fight of faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Uh, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, um, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that, uh, uh, that love his appearing. And I want to ask you a question. Do you love his appearing? I mean, I want you to actually sit down and honestly ask yourself, do you love his appearing? Are you waiting for him to come? And we've so often fallen on the battlefield. You know, right now we're in a battlefield of life. I was listening to a message from Brother Jack Wood, and uh, he's a hardcore preacher, man. But you want to talk about, like, uh, him talking about somebody who's fighting a good fight of faith and everything like that. Those, those guys back then were the ones that really, really uh, kept the fight going. And right now we're in such a snowflake sissy Christianity that's sad. And, uh, you know, Jim Lentz mentioned a message too. He said, uh, you know, we've lost our militancy in churches. I mean, right now we're so, uh, we're so cowardice because, you know, we don't want to fight anymore because there's so much opposition to everything that we're doing. And nobody likes confrontation and nobody wants to deal with it. And one thing I've realized just in the short time that I've been walking with the Lord is the fact that everything you're doing in life for the Lord, you're going to have opposition. If you're trying to do the right thing for God, there's going to be somebody there that's going to try to stop you. And likewise with school, if you're trying to sit down and do school, there's always going to be something that's going to get in the way to try to get you away from doing school. 
And so, uh, you know, and people look at us differently, you know, and so Satan will put in the back of your mind, he'll try to put, you know, tell you a lie, and he'll try to be like, well, you know, God isn't righteous because, you know, those gay folk over there, I mean, they're just, you know, they're doing their thing. It's like, how are they bothering you? And it's likewise with, uh, you know, um, or people like, I'm just trying to hit on the two main, like, you know, huge political things. I hate politics, but, you know, you got people who are, uh, you know, preaching out, out against, uh, you know, gay people or abortion or things like this, yet they won't stand up or say anything and just try to preach the gospel to folk. It's all about just uh, stinking political stuff. Uh, those people, man, I think about it, and it's like they're some of the most yellow belly people you ever meet in your life because, I mean, you know, they, they say in their mind, oh, this is the way it should be, yet they make no effort to try to get into the mind of Christ. Like Pastor mentioned this morning, you, they don't try to get in line with Jesus Christ, try to get that mindset where it needs to be, and instead they preach their own convictions or they preach their own thought, and every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And so, uh, you know, we need to get up. You know, the Lord told Joshua in uh, Joshua 7.10, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? And, uh, you know, we need to get up and uh, hold fast to the truth. You know, we need to fight that good fight of faith, and you're more likely to do that if you have something to look forward to. And, uh, you know, Paul told us, you know, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I mean, you've heard time after time after time preached, preachers hitting on the judgment seat of Christ, and how one day, you know, we're going to have to stand in judgment before the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's important to make sure that whenever the Lord tells you to do something, get up and do it, instead of laying down and cowering about it. Because, I mean, sometimes when the Lord tells you to carry a cross, like I said, it's not an easy thing to do. And he never promised you it'd be easy. But just like they say, you know, he promised he'd go with you always, even to the end. Mm -hmm. And so just make sure, like I said, you're trying to focus on that kind of stuff and just get up and try to do something for the Lord. Um, and one of the, uh, another lie that Satan will try to tell you is that God isn't gracious. And they were singing the songs up here about grace. And so uh, today when I was doing the outline, I was, uh, you know, you hear about, you read about grace in the Bible and everything like that. So I wanted to look up what the definition was of grace in uh, Webster's 1828. And he says, appropriately, the free, unmerited, uh, the, pre un uh, the free, unmerited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from him. And so uh, I want to turn to John chapter 1. So what you realize that, you know, a perfect picture of grace, like you said, is free, unmerited love in favor of God. And so perfect example of that is when you go to John chapter 1, you look at verse 12, it says, But as many as received, them, uh, received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, uh, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, uh, cried saying, This was him, uh, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred, uh, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Um, it says, No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And so, uh, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and he is the true source of unmerited love and favor of God. And he has received all of our benefits from him. And I, you know, and I want, honestly, I want the heavenly benefits package. And so, you know, uh, I wrote down a little thing. I was like, it's out of this world. So, 
But, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit pretty much comes up to you and he's trying to tell you, it's like, hey, you know what? Well, sign here, here, here. And he's like, uh, you know, and here's how you get eternal life. You know, you can get a mansion in glory. You can get, uh, you know, a place where dwelleth righteousness. But he's like, this is what you must do. You must admit, believe, and confess. It's a simple ABC method. And the first thing he, he tells you is like, hey, you need to admit you're a sinner. And that's where most people stop and say, wait, oh, whoa, hang on. I ain't, I ain't a sinner. You know, he's like, I've, do you realize what I do? I give to charities. You know, every time I go to Speedway, I give something. I always give a dollar to Children's Miracle Fund. I always do. And it's like, but you realize that this is necessary because people, uh, because there are so many people in false religions out there lying to their congregation saying there's more than one way and you need to work for it. And, you know, me and Michaela, like I said, we were in the Pentecostal church for a while and they kept trying to tell me that I had the Holy Spirit because I was running around acting like an idiot. And uh, I kept telling the preacher, I was like, I don't think I got it. He goes, oh, no, brother, I guarantee you got it. I'm like, ah, I don't feel right. <laughs> and so I got to a point where I realized, you know what, this ain't right. And then you come to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where he tells you, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is his gift of God, not of works, else any man should boast. And so salvation is a perfect example of free, unmerited love and favor of God. We didn't deserve it, yet he gave it to us. And so, uh, you know, you should honestly, if you strive to do anything, you should probably you should strive to do it because he, he gave you a free gift that you didn't deserve. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> those preachers who honestly, uh, you know, try to tell people and lie to them and everything like that, they do it for their own benefit. Uh, they're boast, uh, you know, they're boasting and stuff because they want to glorify themselves. They want to be the center of attention. Uh, you know, you see that an example of like Kenneth Copeland or Benny Hinn or any of those crazy wacko nuts. And then, uh, you know, but honestly, why don't we why don't we stand in the stead of He who deserves all the glory? I mean, we stand up here and we preach, but we try to tell you, you know, we try to point you to the one that you need to be looking towards. And uh, you know, Second Corinthians 11 tells you Satan's ministers are transformed to the ministers of righteousness. True grace will come in the form of truth. So I want you to realize that the true grace will come in the form of truth. And it's usually gun barrel straight whenever you hear it. And I remember the first time I heard the truth, it was, uh, like I said, it was Dr. Ruckman. And it was the first time somebody had ever told me something that I realized, you know what, this is different. Something's different about this than what I've heard before. And, uh, you know, usually when you, whenever you hear that, uh, that kind of preaching, it's, it's usually going to hurt you sometimes. Then you're going to realize, I need to, I need to kind of, figure out which direction to start going here. And then whenever you start praying, you start asking the Lord, he'll start telling you where to go. And, uh, you know, like I said, Satan will try to pull that stuff away from you by telling you lie after lie after lie after lie. And you wonder why so many people are stuck in those uh, uh, religions and stuff that they are. And it's because they constantly get lied to. They get fear-mongered. People get put down. And they think that, oh, because if I leave, then I'm going to go to hell. And honestly, I believe a lot of people who are stuck in those things really do have a true heart for Jesus Christ. And I think they really do want something from him, but they don't have any other form of truth and nobody's telling them. And so honestly, I think one of the main important things we can do as Bible believers is we need to go and tell them. And we've tried witnessing to Michaela's grandma when she was really sick. She was in a hospital bed and we went up to her and we kept telling her time and time again, like, hey, here's a track, read it. You know, to tell you the truth instead of trying to think that, you know, you need to speak in tongues and everything like that. But she was so dead set on thinking that that's what needed to be done in order for you to be saved that you couldn't get through to her. And so uh, <clears throat> what I want to hit on in closing is the fact that I want you to understand that truth isn't relative as Satan would have you believe. 
is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You know, He's given you His Word, and it should be, uh, and that should be your main news source. Is this not CNN, Fox, NBC? Um, the world, the flesh, and the devil will come at you day and night trying to tell you lies to get you to break fellowship with Jesus Christ and point the finger at God. And you get a perfect example of that in Adam and Eve. But you have to realize it's our walk, and we must put aside the lies and hold on to the truth. And uh, Charles Spurgeon said the quickest way to slay error is to proclaim truth. The surest mode of, extinct, uh, of extinguishing uh, falsehood is to boldly advocate scripture, doctrine upon scripture, uh, uh, scripture doctrine upon scripture principles. Scolding and protesting will not be so effectual, uh, effectual in uh, resisting the progress of error as the clear proclamation of the truth in Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you tonight, have you let Satan talk you out of your truth? I mean, we have it right in our laps. I mean, but honestly, are you trying to be in it or are you trying to listen to the news? Are you trying to stick down and listen to everything going on in the world when in reality this stuff's going to pass away anyways? So we need to realize and you know, stay in the stuff that's going, to, uh, that's going to stand forever. And I would urge you to take heed to John 8, 31 through 32, where it says, Continue in his word, and you'll know the truth, and it shall make you free. And so that's what I got. Brother, everything you said there is, is as true as it gets. And when you start walking in this walk, it's exactly what you did. Like them girls saying, I'm telling you what, man, it, it just brings back memories of your life. If you have, I've been doing this for 42 years, and for 42 years, it's just been constant battle after battle after battle to stop. Somebody will get in your way to make you stop. Something's going to get in your way to make you think that you need to quit. And guess what? Some of these people are going to be very intelligent people. They're going to, I'm running to people who could quote scripture to you till the cows come home. And you start, then you stop and say, wait a minute, let me look at their life. Does their life reflect Jesus Christ? And what you do is you find out it don't. Then all of a sudden you say, and even if it does, it doesn't matter. Your walk is your walk and it's nobody else's. And the Lord has something for you to do that nobody else can do. And I, I, when he was quoting that, going through that thing, I kept thinking about over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, uh, Paul, Paul says this, uh, wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth, but what I do that I will do, that I may call it cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we are. Paul ended up in a prison cell dead. He got his head cut off, they said, uh, in Rome. I mean, that's the end of his life. By himself, Luke was the only one with him. You would think somebody like Paul, the greatest Christian that ever walked this planet, you would think that somebody like him would have millions around him. He didn't have anybody around him. You know why? Because he told everybody the truth. They don't like the truth. The truth will set you free. It'll also make you alone. <laughs> you can bet that. The next verse says, for such are false apostles. Just like you, they're lying to us. They're lying to us. I was talking to my mom the other day. I, I love her today. I talked to her on the way in there. Today's her birthday. And we sang happy birthday on the way to church to her. And, and she goes, Mike, she's 89 years old. She just turned 89. She goes, if I believe what you say, then everything that the church taught me all my whole life is wrong. I'm like, duh, you got it. That's it. It's all wrong. The Pope is wrong. The bishops are wrong. The nuns are wrong. Uh, Mother Mary, uh, your church is wrong. I said, uh, Helen or whatever it is, uh, nun Helen or whoever there is, you can name them. Uh, Fee, fi, fo, fum. All of them are wrong. They're all wrong. They're all wrong. 
I said they're close. But in hand grenades, you only got to get close. But to get to heaven, it ain't close. He says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. That thing right here is the only thing you got that keeps you out of trouble. You cannot figure that thing out without this book. It can't be done. Because there are some people that look really, really good. And you sit there and, man, they look really, really good. Man, I, I, I heard today, what's that lady who, who preaches? Uh, Joyce, Joyce Myers is in trouble about something. I'm like, they're even going after her, man. I'm like, man, this is the world's falling apart. And no, I mean, when Joyce Myers gets nailed, man, I mean, we're in trouble. I'm telling you, we're in trouble. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel. I, I said this before, if Satan was standing here next to Jesus Christ, you would have a hard time telling the difference between them. But the words that flowed from the Lord's mouth and the Lord words that flowed from Satan's mouth would pick them apart just like that. You'd be able to tell it. When you pick up this book, what this book does is it opens your eyes to some things and the Lord says, hey, did you get that? This is between me and you now. Nobody else. I, I still think about that lady. I, you know, I, I don't know what happened to that lady. I mentioned her this morning. And at the end of that whole thing, she's caught in the very act of adultery. But at the end of that thing, the Lord looked at her and said, where are your accusers? And she goes, they're not here. And she go, he goes, well, I don't accuse you either. You know, I don't know where that lady is. And some people say, well, she probably went right back to what she was doing. You know, I don't know about that. I mean, I, all I know is I, I met him on a back porch one time. And he looked at me and he said, Mike, where is that accusers? And I said, I don't know. He goes, well, it's just you being your dog. And your dog can't accuse you because he likes you. He goes, so I guess we're just going to call it even, Stephen, and we're done. And I walked away, and I've been doing this for 42 years, and I'm still here. And Jesus is still walking with me, and I don't have nothing to worry about. Uh, I'm thinking pretty much that if he could do that for me, he could do that for her. And we'll get to heaven, and we'll see that lady at the end of the road. And she might have turned out to be a pretty nice lady. And she might end up getting married to somebody, and, and, and she might have had a couple of kids, and you never know who, the, who this lady is. You have no idea who she is. I know Ruth. I know, I know Rahab the harlot. She got married to a guy who married a guy who was a grandfather to Boaz, who married a lady named Ruth, who was the great-great-grandfather to David, who married a woman named Bathsheba, who was the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
It's out of control. Uh, because people can get out there and blurt out stuff, and then people hear it, and then they think, oh, well, that's true, and that is just as much as a lie as anything else. If you have something to say to somebody, you know what you ought to do is go right to them face-to-face and say it. If you haven't got the guts to say it face-to-face, you should never say it on social media. Because all that does, that gives a worm. I'm telling you, this is my preaching here. This is my per- it gives a worm an opportunity to become a dragon. But you're still a worm. You're still a worm. Because you ain't got no guts. Go to the person. I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm just telling you, that's what social media has done across this country. It's gave a lot of people, they always talk about armchair quarterbacks. That's what social media gives you. It gives you the ability to sit in your little armchair at home and act like you're Billy Graham. Amen, brother. You ready? I've been waiting for you to come up. <laughs> I'd have probably ruined your message, man, but hey. I, <laughs> Satan will lie to you every chance he gets. Jesus tells you the truth, and the only way you can do it is get the light. I, think, I, I tell everybody this. I think he didn't lie, did not let me get into a church for the first four years until I got that Bible down solid to where I knew that the King James Bible was the word of God. There was nothing else. And when I got to the place I trusted that book, for my sustenance, I trusted that book for my livelihood, I trusted that book for my truth, then he said, now you can join the church. Because no matter which one you join, you're going to compare them to this book. And when you compare them to this book, you're going to find out real quick. And you know how easy it is to tell which church is good or bad with that book? It's a piece of cake, man. If they don't matter. I seen a woman preacher one time. She was shucking the corn, man. She was out of a King James Bible. She was, I mean, she was shucking the corn. And I'm like, that is good, man. But the Bible says a woman shouldn't absurd authority over a man in the house of God. That just like threw her out the window. Even if she was good, she was wrong. And you know what you got? You got a Bible. It tells you right there. You cannot be deceived. Amen, brother. Amen. Let's uh, go ahead and stand and we'll sing hymn number 424. 424. Send the light. 